Welcome to Many Talks Podcast, talking all business, entrepreneurship, property development, finance and investments. Rhys Many here, host of Many Talks. Um, welcome back. We've got a great guest here today. Um, BBC's most successful entrepreneur, Ricky Martin, is in the studio with me today. Welcome and thanks for coming along. Thanks for having me. So the reason that we wanted to bring Ricky on the, uh, Ricky on the podcast today, as our guests know and as our listeners know, is about giving value to young entrepreneurs and young people that are at a crossroads trying to make a decision or people that are looking to make an investment but are a little bit unsure. And we thought, Ricky, talking to, to my marketing team, the, the journey that you've been on personally would be a great journey to really talk and, and run through with yourself. So could you start with your journey for us and yeah, how, how it started for you? Well, thanks for the kind and accurate introduction. <laughs> I think that's handy. Um, I think one thing I'll say for some people out there, my name might be Ricky Martin, but for those that are old enough, I don't have black cats or voodoo dolls and I don't <laughs> live in the Vida Loca. So I'll just put that out there in case you're disappointed. Um, my journey's been a really interesting one. I've, mm. um, the thing that not a lot of people know about me, I'm actually a scientist, so I'm a biochemist. Okay. That's my background. So I'm a scientist who hated doing the science, that's found his way into business, did something for a firm once, thought he could do better, um, raised a, a £250,000 and now have a very successful recruitment company helping scientists, which was the thing I actually yep. thought I was going to do when I first graduated. So how did you get into science? Was it through school? Um, it was definitely through school. A, yep. bit, a, bit of, um, a bit of fluke, to be honest with you. I just so happened to have an aptitude for data and numbers. Okay. So for me, doing science and maths fitted well with kind of what I did academically. Yep. So for me, I... Typical young person did um, complete my A-levels and thought, I don't want to get a real job. Um, I don't know what I want to do as a yeah. real job. There's so many people um, out there the same. And I, I've got to say, if people are like that, it's completely normal. Mm. I think too many people worry about not knowing what the future looks like. Do you know, I still don't know what the future looks like. I'm just mm. winging it, really. Um, <laughs> but I did good at science, and it just evolved into... I did biology and chemistry in my A-levels. Yep. So I did biochemistry. It literally merged the two words, and there was a course for me to go and do. And hopefully with a science degree I can figure life out then yeah so you got that degree and you went in to look for a job in in yeah. that sector and yeah, well again this is a, another point don't worry about not knowing what you want to do but seek opportunity so studying science I thought my limitation was being a scientist yeah. and I literally looked at a science magazine and they were they were recruiting for jobs mm. in the lab near where my mum and dad left and okay. I thought convenient leave uni go move in with mum and dad take a job in a lab Three interviews later, I realised there wasn't a bloody lab in this company. I'm like, why are they asking for lab <laughs> stuff? I don't see a lab. Yeah. Then the penny dropped that what they were actually doing is recruiting talent to go on their books to place into jobs. And I was actually interviewing for a job in recruitment. Oh. Um, and I kind of thought, well, do you know what? It's an opportunity. I've winged it for three interviews. They've offered me the job. I'd worked in sales at uni. I'll take the job. So I kind of did a degree at a default because I didn't yeah. know what else to do. I then landed in a job in recruitment thinking I was going to be a scientist. Um, and 13 and years today. later, I'm still here. <laughs> so you got, you got into that job and obviously you enjoyed sales. You'd done that mm. at uni, you said. Um, mo most jobs come with a level of sales. 
uh, being a people's person. Do you think that helped you at school, being a people's person? Would you put yourself down as a people's person? 100%. I mean, if I didn't, I shouldn't be recruiting, right? Because yeah. recruitment's a people industry. Yeah. Um, I think always my strength, um, sometimes to my detriment, was being able to just talk to people and chat. And when it came to actually trying to do science, sitting in a lab playing with E. coli was boring to me. Mm. Sitting there boring every other scientist with the chat I want to talk about was yeah. more interesting. So I'm definitely a people person. Um, it helped me to get sales jobs because that's what funded my uni. Yeah. And ultimately, that's all I do day after day, is speak to great people about great opportunities. I'm into good opportunities. So let, let's just go back. So you've come out, you got, was that your first role? It was, yeah. I literally fell out. I mean, I'd worked in other jobs, but my first career job was a, as was a, a recruitment consultant for a very big company with my only stipulation to that company is I only want to recruit scientists. Don't hire me to recruit generic people. I'll yeah. hire scientists. And it just so happened they had a team of one person said, all right, you can go in there and we'll figure it out. Are you successful there? Yeah, do you know, I stayed with them for six and a half years, built my craft with them, um, grew a team. It got successful within their business. And then it got to the stage where I thought, they're a big company with a science bolt on. Yeah. I want to be a science company doing science talent. And that's the stage that I thought I'm going to do it for myself. What, what made you be successful? How did you last there for six and a half years? Was it, you know, when people go into jobs... I've always been, every job that I've ever had gone in and, and always wanted to be the best and not just go through the mill. Yeah. Similar to yourself? I couldn't echo that anymore. I actually, I, I preach this all the time. It doesn't matter what the hell you do as a job. The most important thing is being the best at that job that Correct. you can be. Yeah. I mean, like yourself, I actually wanted to be the best that they had full stop. Right. Yeah. But as long as you're the best you want to be, it should give you the ability to succeed mm. and it should give you the ability to stay there long term if you choose to. And that's what helped you? Absolutely. I mean, equally, I've got to think about it. I was driven by, particularly at that point, less so now, I was driven by being top of leaderboards. I was driven by making a difference at what I did. Yeah. I was driven by making money, yeah. buying my first house, having some cars and doing those things as a young man. Mm -hmm. So that drove me in the first early page of my career. And then it got to the point of thinking, there's more to life than just those things. Yeah. What's next? And I kind of, in the back of my head, had already wanted, always wanted my own company. I just didn't know From what, what it was. From what age did you know that you wanted your own company? As a kid. Say, I always used to say it to my parents. I yeah. said, one day I'd like to have my own company. Didn't know what? Just Absolutely you wanted, no just idea. Wanted your own I company. said it at uni and yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> and I probably started in recruitment in the first few years thinking I'll do a job for a few years, figure life out, mm -hmm. wanting one day to have a business, but still not knowing what that is because yeah. I hadn't figured out recruitment. So I think the drive to want something to own, shape and grow, I'd always wanted. So the drive was there. Yeah. What it was, I hadn't figured out yet until I'd spent long enough in a career to understand that this is the career for me and you know what, I can do it better yeah good so two well six years into that when was it that you then took the opportunity to go on your own was it straight after that role yeah so literally when I finished that role that's when I then set yeah. up the business um, okay. and probably the last 12 months of that role I was already formulating ideas of what I'd like to well, do had the business already started prior to, to going on the apprentice absolutely not no and, so okay. really I, I was so you come out of that role and went, applied even more interesting, I was in that role when I went on The Apprentice okay. um, with the ambition what made there. You, what made you apply for that? Cash. cash. I said okay. at the time it was cash. I mean, it was. Um, I, I was one of those that had every excuse not to set up a company, and I think that's quite common <laughs> to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Don't have the cash. You know, it's a crap economy right now. At the time, I was engaged, looking to get married. I just bought a house. Mm. All the reasons why I couldn't do it. And then literally, I was watching The Apprentice, 
Um, and it was the year where they changed the format. They used to run The Apprentice where you get a job for 12 months, a £100,000 salary. And I used yeah. to say, why would you do that if you like what you do? Because I love my job. Mm. Why would I leave my job for something for a year, even though the salary sounded good? And when they changed it that year to, well, we no longer do that, we're now giving a, setting up a business with Lord Sugar, it's £250,000, yeah. you're a 50-50 shareholder. That was the stage my wife went, do it, go for it. <laughs> So my, you had a little push there. And I had a push, yeah. and I wrote the form, literally, it was the last night of the masking application form, and I wrote the form. I said to my well, fiancé at the time, can you read this? And she went, it's rubbish. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, it's really not interesting. You just sound like any other recruit <laughs> yeah. in the country. So you changed it? So I took it and wrote this, and she went, you are an absolute pillock, but that will probably get you on the yeah. show. Go for Good. it. And that's eventually what got me Go, in Going back to it, just coming off that, well, leading on from that subject, you just said, I've just released something on Instagram about... How in in a in a well not a perfect um, scenario but you know you need partners or you need your your partner or your wife or your fiance to support your vision in business it really helps you be successful so I think it's really is. elaborating well, on they what always I say every successful person or particularly every successful man is backed up by an even more successful uh, woman uh, <laughs> right um, and I'll flip that to yeah. say I'm sure every successful woman is very backed up by a very successful yes. man behind the scenes <laughs> I like I like the second one <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have to have a relationship to be successful yeah, you put no, that course. caveat out there as well but I think having people around you that don't um, keep telling you oh you won't do that you'll fail yeah. at that I think that's quite important the message of and it's quite common by lots of entrepreneurs surround yourself with like-minded people Correct. that ultimately <coughs> are going to push you push you and I always say my glass isn't half full it's overspilling that's mm. my approach to life I'm just going to do it and if it fails it fails um, well the only people that don't fail at things are people that don't try anything exactly that and failure do you know what? actually failure is a brilliant thing because yeah. it might mean that next time you come back bigger and stronger so my wife definitely helped to push me in the direction because she knew I always wanted it good and so that application went in you're still in your role yeah um you got obviously you got some feedback yeah, I went comes from comes back to went you through the, they just reached out to me <coughs> one day saying we've read your form um we'd like you to come and audition and then this is the stage where there's about a hundred thousand people at the time and I got that and I turned around to, to my wife and she was like, you're getting on that. I said, well, you don't know that. You don't know what they want or what they're yeah. looking for in that year. I said, I could be mustard at everything, yeah. but they don't want mustard of everything think, that yeah. year. Yeah. Um, and went for a long process and I was still employed at the time. So it was just like- Did no, you let your employee know or? Not at the point that I was going through the process. Yeah. It's, it's the same in recruitment. When you're interviewing, yeah. yes, you can have a very mature relationship with who you report to. And if they know you're unhappy and they can't solve it, they might support you. But 90% of people are interviewing while they're still in a job. And yeah. there's no different to what I did. My yeah. interview was just, in a, just an just application a assessment yeah. process. Yeah. But when they basically call me to say, look, we want you on it, these are the dates, that's the time I had to have a real conversation yeah. with the chairman of what was a PLC company and the CEO to say, this just landed on my lap, guys. <laughs> um, and they asked me the question outright, are you sure you want to do that? You've got a good job here. I'm like, I do have a good job here, but I'll regret it if I never do this. Yeah, it's an opportunity. Um, that you, it's an opportunity. Yeah. And they supported me. They kind of said, if you, if you don't win it, what are you going to do? I said, well... I still want to have my own thing. And the chairman was always, well, we'll let you spin something out. Mm. Would you come back if you don't succeed in this? And I said, absolutely, I it's a lovely, It's a lovely position to be in, isn't it? Really? It's a great. Yeah. Um, and I was torn. I had the CEO at the time said, you're either with us or against us. Yeah. So, you know, are you going to leave us <laughs> yeah, or are you going to go do this? His boss, which is the owner chairman, was like, we're backing this guy, whatever. And the MD, which reported to the CEO, was like, I'm backing him because he's one of my stars. So I yeah. kind of, my CEO got outranked by the other two, two on one. 
and I was fortunate enough that I had a job after it but they gave me kind of an unpaid um, sabbatical yeah. that nobody was to know about because of NDAs um, and I'm sure I was even breaching the BBC NDA by even telling my CEO but I had to right yeah of course got to protect my interest in the long run so that that process is it enjoyable once you was on the show? Is it an no. enjoyable process? <laughs> no, not at no. all. I mean, <laughs> anyone because I know there's a lot of people that sit out there and think you know get on telly, it, it helps. Well, it obviously helps, but what's that that process? It doesn't look to me like a as a, a salesperson. Nice you generally like competition, and it is an ultimate competition yeah. of business. So from that perspective, maybe even the narcissist in me liked the element of competing. Yeah. Be it, I was in an environment which wasn't science and wasn't recruitment <laughs> for 12 weeks. Yeah. I was in a completely unfamiliar environment. So um, did I like it? Not particularly. Did I learn a lot? A hell of a lot. I see it as a real-life MBA, a practical yeah. MBA. Um, did I come out of it different than I went in? Ultimately, I'm still the same person, but I came out more liberal realising there's so many different ways of doing business. And do yeah. you know what? You've got to sharpen up a little bit to succeed. So mm. glad I did it. Obviously, I am. I got the investment and my business has done well as a result. Um, if someone turned around to me now, do you want to do The Apprentice again tomorrow morning for whatever else there is out there? Absolutely no chance no. in hell. It is much harder than anyone has any idea yeah, whatsoever. Is, yeah. Okay, so going back to that, your investment, that's why you went on there. Um, how does how's that helped your business? I would say, um, and Did I say that this a lot. Did fast track you it, as a startup? It shortcutted a good few years, yeah. I would say. Um, I always think the reality of being a startup company, you, you and, and literally a startup business, you you've got no financial trading, you've got no credit history. Correct. So anything in terms of interacting with a supplier base, they're going to credit check a company yeah. with no credit history. So they're not going to give you necessarily good payment terms, direct debits. They might say Sometimes pay me all pay up, up front. front. Exactly yeah. that. Yeah. Which increases the cash liability to the company. So for me, I had a credibility because I had a billionaire business partner. So although they didn't do me favours, mm. indirectly I'm sure they probably said we'll just pass him for credit and yeah. he can he can cash flow his first year or two a little bit better. So it definitely helped getting the right supplier base in. It definitely helped that I had peace of mind that I had £250,000 in a service business. Yeah. I don't have to go and buy a bunch of stock and leave it to rot in a warehouse and hope it sells. Or I can invest into people and take a little bit longer. Mm. Um, I put my hand up, my business proposition only needed £100,000 to get through the first six months. I didn't need 250k, yeah. but it gave me peace of mind and security to do that. Um, and six years on, looking back, what did it do? It probably allowed me to shortcut three or four years of what I would have done anyway, with or yeah. without the investment, but I got there quicker. And I had a better opportunity of building a brand that hopefully when I'm hiring staff, there's a better reason to join mm. me then. You're just another recruitment company. What do you think, obviously you're, you're very successful, your business has gone from leaps and bounds from when it started. I mean, a turnover of eight millions. Fantastic. And it's, and it's rocketing past still, that at the moment, going. which is crazy. Which is great. So, but what, what do you think the, why is that? Um, is it because you, you invest in your people? Is that what separates you from, definitely from one your of the, competitors? Definitely one of the factors. I think whatever business you do, however you're doing it, um, I think too many people think they're gonna be Mark Zuckerberg and overnight they're gonna be a billionaire and they're gonna have all <laughs> these things. You know what? It's barely anyone that's ever done that. You yeah. could probably name a handful of people. Even Lord Sugar didn't do that. No. Even though he made a fortune of things, it's still but took it was hard work at, at hard the start. work to get there. Yeah. He was selling arrows out of his car, and I always think, why have I? Why have we been in a position where we, we we're still alive after six years? I think that's yeah. the reality. It's because I took my time to build an infrastructure to invest in the right people, to 
Uh, it was easy for me. Where I was lucky with The Apprentice is I had a load of people who were interested in working for me. Yeah. Where I was very unlucky is a lot of them just wanted to be Lord Sugar's pal. Um, <laughs> so where I was unlucky is actually figuring out the people that want to work for me to grow a business, the people who just think they're going to go to Spurs with yeah. Lord Sugar and be his mate and a Twitter pal. That was, um, that was probably where I was more challenged. So it took me, it was harder to find the people that believed in what I believed in. So building the infrastructure, hiring the right people and holding your nerve. Um, I knew that for the first couple of years I'd be a slower burn. Yeah. But I knew if I could get through that slower burn and build the foundation that the business could then accelerate. Um, and that's why the last two years we've rocketed up. So it, it leads back to what we spoke about at the beginning, really believing in yourself. Absolutely. Um, I, when you believe in yourself, um, your people need to believe in you and what you stand for. Yeah. So the most important thing that I share, and this gets lost with TV and this gets lost with a lot of things in businesses, I'm fundamentally a scientist, and the reason I studied science is I wanted to help people. Yeah. I thought if I can come up with that great drug and save a life or help a life, I feel like I've achieved something. Mm. I apply that in context of my role. I mean, we're not just a recruitment company placing people into science. We're placing great scientists into roles where they're making life-changing drugs. Yeah. So for me, there's a real purpose behind the company, and that's why the customers work with us, and it's why the staff work with us. So go into that thing, believing in yourself, and then trying to make sure that what you believe in, what you stand for, what your purpose is, that your staff believe in that too. Because mm. um, otherwise, if you're a model where it's just set up and flip it in five years, you can be transparent with your staff. We're, grow we're, we're setting up, we're investing a lot, we're being lean, we're selling in five yeah. years, we'll give you an EMI scheme, we'll give you a cut of it. Or you're a business that says, I'm not a lifestyle, I'm not a high growth flip it company, we are a steady growing business that has a value and you buy people's hearts as well as their minds mm. as a result. Okay, some, some great ideas. For just, what kind of advice could you give to, to other entrepreneurs out there from the journey that you've gone through? I would say the first, one thing where I was lucky, and I guess as a salesperson, I could be very guilty of this. Sometimes in a sales role, we can be impatient. Yeah. And we want the result now. So if someone then said to me when I was purely in my sales role, you want this business, write me a massive business brief that's fit for purpose for the next three years, throw a marketing strategy, exit strategy. So I would have said it was really, really boring, and mm. do I really want to do that? Um, and I'd have probably tried to wing it without it. Going into The Apprentice meant I had to submit my business proposition. Yeah. I had to give it written down. So I think the biggest thing of somebody considering setting up a company or they're right at the start is what is your business plan? What is the focus for the next? Don't worry about five years. No one predicts the future in five years. No one thought about Brexit five years. Well, very few did. Only yeah. those futurists, which apparently <laughs> is a cool job yeah. these days. Um, actually having a robust plan for a couple of years if this is what I'm going to stick to and then holding your nerve in that time. The amount of times I have, I had thousand ideas come in from my staff, from customers thinking, I'll do that, that sounds good. It's very easy to get sidetracked. In so easy. When you, you, would you say tunnel vision's a... Tunnel vision is so important. Yeah. And even in that, so if I think of what I recruit science, I, I had loads of people saying, oh, well, we could do HR recruitment for you, we could do IT recruitment. Do all, all of a sudden, if I did all that, I'd become a generous company. I don't stand by my purpose and I'm distracted. So tunnel vision, make sure your business plan is fit for purpose. Yeah. Get it read by business people, not just your mates yeah. or your mum and your dad, because they'll probably say, well done, because it's a great document. Yeah. Will they be critical enough? And um, the next thing I would add on to that as a bit of advice, other than tunnel vision, is once you've got that business plan, you're happier than other people agree of it. Half the sales and double your costs. And if your business survives, go for it. And if it doesn't, back to the drawing board. Mm. Some, some good things there for, for our listeners to take. The journey's been unreal. And as you said, you're going from strength to strength. You, as having a mentor really helped you? I think, yes. And I think mentors come in all shapes and sizes. It's, I mean, 
a Lord Sugar, yes, is a great mentor. He's uh, is he just your mentor? Do you have other mentors? I've got other people outside yeah. of that. Some in recruitment, what I do, and some yeah. just generic business people that spend time. So, as an example, I I still speak to my old MD, who's now CEO. We okay. still catch up and have dinner about yeah. things. Um, I spend quite a lot of time with, um, it's an apprentice link, but Mike Suter, who's one of the interviewers at the end, very successful um, very successful entrepreneur in the media world, um, set up, grown one of the largest free publications. I see him regularly about things, and it's nothing to do with recruitment or science. Yeah. So having people that you can bounce ideas off, I think, is important, those in your sector and outside of. Um, Lord Sugar is a very different type of mentor because he's operating and growing a business in a different era. He's done it from a products perspective, not a service perspective. Yeah. But one thing that I think he's always taught me is literally they look after the pennies and the pounds look after themselves. Yeah. You might think he's a billionaire, he can do whatever he wants with his money, trust me, he spends <laughs> that money wisely. Yeah. Even though I've seen him in an office at one point talking about someone selling something out recorded delivery that didn't need to be recorded delivery. And he's like, if they're doing 100 of them, this is ridiculous. So some of the basic principles of business, I think, is what's really come from him. Just, um, just hold on. And, and make your costs as low as possible. It is that. Keep your costs controlled because sometimes, yeah, you want them low. You want to make sure that you can sell more than you're burning day after day. But at the same time, you do have to speculate to accumulate. Course, yeah. And I actually thought he might be a little bit more, you're not making money month one, what's going on? But actually, he got the longer term process. So having a mentor is important. I think for some people, the men- a mentor sounds like a bigger thing than yeah, it is. Yeah. Sometimes it's just somebody what's who has What's the biggest take ideas. that you've took from... From Lord Sugar, if you don't um, definitely the take of um, looking after the pennies to support the pounds. Yeah. Um, the thing where he is, and it's more of a, I won't say a cultural thing, more of a behavioural. We're talking about a guy in his 70s, a guy who's a billionaire, a guy who doesn't need to work a day in his life again if he didn't want to. Yeah. His family doesn't need to. But one thing I'm inspired about is his work ethic, still at his age and his wealth and what he does, all of his kind of sons and daughters, a lot of them are CEOs in his business. These yeah. are grafters. These are proper grafting people who, yes, they've got a lot of money, but it's showing you that there's more to True. what you're doing than just the cash. It's just money. It's Whether enjoyment, it's legacy, for, enjoyment, yeah, family. Yeah. It's, there's more than money out there. Don't chase the bucks. The bucks will come if you're doing it if right. You're, if you're doing it right and you're enjoying what you're doing. Absolutely. Um, one one thing I've, I've spoke to a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs on the podcast, one thing we all we all find difficult in business is recruitment. Absolutely. H- how do you find recruitment? Obviously, you're a recruiter. Is it still tough for you recruiting the yeah, right people? I don't know if people do know this <laughs> or don't, but our biggest headache is still hiring our own staff. Yeah. And you'd think that I'm not only qualified to do it, I'm trained to do it, I've got experience to do it. Yeah. My biggest headache is still finding that right talent. Mm. Um, because the reality is, and I've had these conversations a lot, that a CV doesn't tell you enough about a person. Yeah. An interview is manufactured. It doesn't tell you enough about a person. Until they're in that role doing the job, you just don't know. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I always say is the way that my model and the why it took a few years to burn is my model is very much bringing people in with the right attitudes, the right ambitions and the right behaviorals and I train them at what great recruitment looks like and yeah. that can take me three years to get a return on investment but once they've got to a great standard I now see the return and I'm growing my business with them so it's still my biggest headache uh, it's still so there's hard no, you've, you've got no magic got no that magic you could formula. you could give us all no no magic <laughs> hard effort of speaking to a lot yeah. of people and probably hiring people for the person you want, yeah. not because they've got the CV that matches what you're asking for. Mm. I think that's really important, and I've made mistakes. As a great recruiter, as somebody who's grown a great recruitment company, I've still made hires because I thought that CV looks good. Yeah. And I've interviewed them, I thought, a little bit wet, not maybe what I want long term. Give it a go. Do you know what? 
we might see some short-term gain and I could surprise myself every time I've been it's t- told me what it's I already knew work, don't yeah. make the hire if they're not right for your business mm. well that's, that is a great tip um, and, and thanks for sharing it's that hard though because let's yeah. be honest if we, we, there's an urgent vacancy and we need it you done, want somebody that's right you want it and it also moves into that you're in a position where somebody's underperforming it's like do I go through the, the hassle of recruiting someone else yeah. whereas between the time of that person leaving that one coming in, I'm probably going to do the job that means I'm going to do all these extra tasks that maybe I shouldn't as a CEO yeah. or whatever. Reality is, do it, because when get you get the right person in, your life comes easier. Yeah. So just before we wrap up, it's been great. Um, I don't know if there's anything else that you want to add. I've got one more question just for you. If you could do anything different in your business um, journey, what would, you have, what would you have done? I'd have probably taken quicker risks. Um, I, I went into setting up my business. Writing the business plan was so important, and that stayed true for me. Um, speaking to good mentors really helped me. But I probably, because I had the spotlight of the being off the back of a TV product, and most people think you're an idiot, don't know anything about business, and don't yeah. know really what you're doing, but they don't realise that I'm a scientist, I've done it, I'm doing it for myself now. I probably took quite a steady first 12 months um, yeah. because I wanted to build it right, but I didn't want to risk anything. If I went back in time, I'd have been a little bit more aggressive in that period and decisions that I made. When, when, yeah, when you say aggressive, I mean, because out of a lot of people that have been on shows yeah. you see you see them in the press a lot you, you see them looking to, to work on that or gain exposure from that one thing that, that caught my attention with yourself you, you've never really been like that you've more concentrated I've got say, on your business and that's what, what's more important you trying to be a wannabe Z-list celebrity yeah. and you'd be lucky to be that if you come off The Apprentice yeah. or do you actually want to have a successful company mm. and, and that was always important to me and that's would, worked well for yourself it's worked for me because I haven't been distracted that first year the irony is you've won it everyone thinks you're loaded but you're probably not because you're investing it all into your company yeah. and you don't want to draw a good salary because there's no cash at the end of it <laughs> yeah. if you do that um, and you get asked a thousand things that are absolutely worthless opening of every bloody envelope in the country you might get asked to go to <laughs> yeah. and some people can get distracted and go and do that and some people can say I went on here to get investment and a great business partner yeah. and I'm going to invest that and so for me only things that I consider it comes to media is if there's a value to what I do day to day or there's a value to people kind of more generically I, I want to be known as the face of recruitment in this country and if I can help people with employability young, old or whatever it looks like I'll do that because it supports the message that I'm doing to go and do something rubbish like another crap reality show somewhere or a it's just not worth it. And if, if, I want, if I'm doing that, I shouldn't have taken the investment. I'm letting other candidates down who could have had that investment and taken it more seriously. Okay, well, look, this, that's fantastic. And it's been a grand, fantastic interview. Thank you. Pleasure having you on here because we know that you don't do too many and you, you <laughs> don't, don't put your know. face out there. So a credit to my marketing team and PR team for getting <laughs> you on here. It's been a pleasure having you. Um, and we'll catch up soon. Excellent. Thanks very much. Thanks a lot. Thank you. So for now, what I want to do is thank you for listening, subscribe, leave a review. Look forward to speaking to you on the next podcast with some exciting guests coming our way.